details of my life are quite inconsequential. Read my lips. If you have sex, your penis will fall off and land in another dimension populated entirely by dogs who will eat it. Well, that's something I'd like to avoid. I want you to listen to me. I'm going to say this again. I did not have sexual relations with that woman, Miss Lewinsky. I'm a paladin with 18 charisma and 97 hit points. I can use my helm of disintegration and do 1d4 damage as my half-elf mage wields his plus five holy avenger. And as president, I'm going to make it impossible for congressmen or lobbyists to slip pork barrel projects or corporate welfare into laws when no one's looking. Because when I'm president, meetings where laws are written will be more open to the public, no more secrecy. That's a commitment I make to you as president. The Michael Graff Show. It is my opinion he is a danger to himself and others and is in need of treatment. Some people are just too stubborn to know when to quit. And this guy just happens to be one of them. He's been beaten down repeatedly by God's practical jokes. He's been banished to the deepest, darkest corners of the internet. From somewhere in desert Urbania, this is Michael Groff in Exile. intro was rolling i was i was just sitting here uh, reading about one of my favorite tools of all time kanye west this guy is such a douche i was just reading about how uh he was um i guess he was taking a flight someplace uh this was at uh, the la airport and he got on the plane, and oh my God, he had to sit in coach class. Well, that just, he wasn't happy. Well, business class, I guess. He wasn't happy with being in business class, so he had to be upgraded to first class, and he made a big deal about it, him and his assistant. He wanted to make sure that they were bumped to first class, and so he whined about it. Man, I'm not going to sit in no business class. Yeah, he was sitting there. He was, he was saying, I'm not going to sit in business class. Not going to happen. Well, I can see why you're a very important person. Wouldn't want you to sit back with the rest of us schlubs. Wouldn't want you to catch our cooties. Does this guy not realize that were it not for the fact that he lives in the United States, he would be, let's see, based on his intelligence, based on his, just his overall personality. Let's see. He'd probably be a janitor at a Best Western. And that's, you know what? That's offending janitors that work at Best Westerns. Probably be in jail, quite honestly. What a douche. There's just nothing. I I can't stand people like that. I'm better. I'm better than you. I should. Oh, I, I have to sit in business class. Business class? 
Oh, we're just we're putting the uh, we're putting the brother down. Oh, what a joke! All right, welcome in. It's Michael Graf in exile for a Thursday, February fourth, two thousand ten. Broadcasting to you from this America's fifth largest city, Phoenix, Arizona. Man, my uh, it's starting to really bother me. This tooth is starting to bother me a little bit now. I I, I need to get a root canal. I'm thinking on uh, well, sometime soon. But there's a couple of problems. Root canals cost uh, money, and here's the beautiful part: the insurance I have, the two I have, I have both government and private insurance, and it's still expensive. So if you want to contribute to my uh, root canal uh, therapy, then you can do so. Uh, Mike at KMGX.com. Not only is our email address, but that's also my PayPal address. And I will, uh, I'm, I'm actually doing this. I am soliciting donations on this podcast. Now, I have no idea who listens to the podcast, how many people. I know, I know at least two people listen to it. That's good. At least two people. Yeah, I know. I, I can name them. I know of at least two people. Actually, I know of uh, th- about three people for sure that listen to this podcast. So I don't know about this specific one, but I am soliciting. So I'm essentially uh, soliciting donations from those three people. And, and you know what? Uh, as far as I know, those three people don't have uh, two nickels to rub together to give to me. One person is trying to move, uh, is is moving uh, to Las Vegas. Uh, another one um, is a dude that hangs... Well, a couple of the other people are, are people that hang out in the IRC channel. And then everybody else that listens... Uh, well, and, 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 and there's a couple other people. There are actually a couple of... I, I think our count is like maybe six, actually. Because there are a couple of people on my Facebook that listen as well. So, and I... Um, every once in a while, I will get a random email. Somebody that says that they've listened to at least one or two and they, they like this or something. So... So far, we haven't gotten any negative email, which I, I would hope not because the people that listen to this podcast now, there's really nobody that could listen that'd be a hater. Um, some people uh, have taken me to task a little bit, um, saying that some of my comments about um, uh, some of my comments have been a little bit harsh on topic X, Y, or Z, which sounds about like me. I'm sure I'm going to hear a little bit. Oh, man, you were, you were pretty rough on Kanye there, Mike. Actually, I don't think anybody would say that. Probably most people would be inclined to say I wasn't rough enough. Kanye West. I have absolutely no use for that person. I mean, after the, the whole stunt with Taylor Swift was enough for me. I didn't like him before that. The guy, the music is terrible. Do we have, let me see. I, I know I have Kanye West in the library here. We have a couple of his tunes. I know we have uh, Gold Digger. I know we got that. Hold on here. Let me see. We've got, here we go. Yep, we got this. Janitor. Janitor at a Taco Bell, maybe. Maybe. If he worked really hard. This guy, you can... I can't I just... The balls on some people. 
People in Haiti right now are like, boy, I hope we live till tomorrow. And this guy is sitting there going, well, you know, I'm sorry. I'm just too good uh, to be sitting with these schlubs in business class. I'm sorry. We have uh, that other song. That part where he rips off a little uh, a little riff from the Alan Parsons project, this tune. Well, I got homies, but in the end, it's still so lonely. I hate him. I really do. There, there's just, there are some people that just rub you the wrong way. You can't even explain. I mean, I've tried to explain the best I can why I don't like him. I don't like his music. I don't like his attitude. His comment about George Bush doesn't like black people. Uh, his whole attitude uh, where he tries to make everything about himself. He accepts awards. Where he talks about his mother dying and then he turns it into a whole thing about himself rather than his mom. The, the Taylor Swift thing. The guy is a narcissist. He is a, he's an elitist. Um, he's just a very pompous individual and there's just nothing redeeming about him whatsoever. People can, oh, he's talented, Mike. You know, he's a very talented musician. He's a talented, he is not talented. Ripping off other people's crap does not talent make. I'm sorry. I, I, I have very little respect for most people in the hip hop industry, but especially him. At least Eminem, most of his crap at least is, is uh, original. I mean, it's still crap, but at least it's original crap. Kanye West doesn't even come up with original crap. It's recycled crap. It's like stuff that other people, it's just little bits of other people's songs. He's taking other things. It's like regurgitated crap. Oh, it's just, I, I just, I can't, um, I really can't stomach him at all. I have a very hard time with Kanye West. All right, so we have a new budget out from Barack Obama. This is great. Um, the uh, Democrats, they have the budget out, $4 trillion bucks, A $4 trillion budget. That is the largest budget in U.S. history and the deficit that's on this budget, over $2 trillion bones. And uh, the budget, uh, yeah, this is the biggest deficit ever. And so, as I warned you about previously, as I warned you about before Barack Obama even took office, when he was talking about his proposals, and then after he took office, I've been screaming about this now for over two years. And here we are, Barack Obama has already, if this budget goes through, if everything happens, uh, if everything plays out the way it uh, is written on paper, in the first two fiscal years of the Barack Obama administration, uh, we will have accrued over three, well, almost $3 trillion in debt, which is uh, the entirety of the Bush administration. So you see, um, while he attacked his predecessor and while he continues to make attacks against his predecessor, and while the Democrats continue to attack Republicans for their tax and spend ways, and by no means am I absolving Republicans here because they spent money like crazy as well. They went out, they, they had 12 years of control from 1994 to 2006 of the House, and the House writes the budget, a little bit of, uh, a little bit of uh, uh, a civics 101 for you. So they uh, spent money like crazy, but see, it's, it's this pissing contest that keeps going on between Republicans and Democrats. Who can spend more? Well, right now, the Democrats are taking the cake. The Democrats, I'm sorry, Republicans, you guys, uh, you're, you can't even compete with this. Now we're up to a, um, just in the two years of, the two fiscal years of Barack Obama, we're talking about almost, uh, if it all plays out as it's uh, on paper, nearly $3 trillion added to our debt. Do you believe this? The guy racked up the first fiscal year, $1.3 trillion in debt. 
1.3 trillion bucks. The largest deficit that was spent under the Bush administration. And let's make, again, let's be fair, every year in the Bush administration and the six years that it was controlled by the Republicans and then the two subsequent years that it was controlled by Democrats, in those eight years, every year was deficit spending. But the biggest deficit spending year, the, the greatest amount of deficit spent in one year was $400 billion. And that's, that's terrible. And I was on the air screaming about that and how can we be so fiscally irresponsible? Well, Barack Obama came along and tripled that spending, that deficit spending in one year. That's unbelievable. So uh, I, I, I saw this and I know some people, well, you know, we have to pay all these uh, people that are unemployed. Uh, that's where some of that deficit spending comes from. If we could just get people the jobs, then we could. Yeah. And you know how we're, we, we have no plans for getting people jobs. Uh, government will create those jobs. My government's going to create jobs. Government doesn't create jobs. This is, again, the, the oldest myth in the book that government creates jobs. Well, you know, we could get some, uh, some, some construction going. We could, uh, yeah, we can get a couple, we can get a few short-term jobs generated. That's great. But long-term sustainability relies on people having money. And when I talk about people having money, I mean small businesses. Now, um, in fairness... Um, House Democrats and uh, and the uh, defenders of Barack Obama's plans are saying, well, we have given money to small businesses. We're giving them a payroll tax deduction if they give somebody a raise. And we're giving them a $5,000 tax credit for every person that they hire. We're giving them tax incentives if they hire people. Well, here's this. There's a little bit of a problem with that. And let me just exp explain the basic problem with that ideology. Okay. The problem is employers don't have money to hire people. They don't have the money to give people a raise. You know why? Because all that money, all the bailing out that we did, you know where it went? All that bailing out went to banks. All that bailing out went to Wall Street. All that bailing out went to well, God knows where it actually went because we had a $787 billion stimulus and that's already $150 billion over budget. So uh, the problem is, is that you cannot have a, a plan. You can't have a plan where you, where you tell small businesses, well, we're going to give you tax incentives if you just hire some people when the small businesses don't have the money to hire people. That's what these business owners are trying to tell the president. That's what they're trying to tell Congress. And Congress and the president aren't listening. They're saying, well, uh, well, we'll give you some tax incentives to hire people. That's great. We don't have the money to do that anyway. Well, what are we going to do? We'll go and borrow the money. Oh, wait, the banks aren't letting us borrow. If you try and go and get a, a, an unsecured line of credit right now from a bank, you can't do it. They won't give people loans. They, they might give you a small business loan, but they're going to jack up that interest rate on you. And if you have poor or average credit right now, you're screwed. And most people's credit is going down as well because they can't, they have to decide, they have to pick and choose what bills they're going to pay. And then eventually they may have to go into bankruptcy. See, right now, everything is so screwed up because, and, and of course, in a time where things are all screwed up, what's, what's the common thread that's running through local, state, and federal officials? Let's increase taxes. 
if I had any more hair to rip out of my head, I would do it. I would have already done it. The problem is that, uh, well, I mean, I, I just keep my head shaved. So maybe I'll just grow some hair out so I can rip it out because otherwise I'm going to start tearing it off of my arms. In a recession, you don't raise taxes. In a recession, you don't increase government spending. It's a formula for disaster. If you're in debt at, at your house, if your household is in debt, you don't spend more money in hopes of getting out of it. Well, uh, we're in debt. Let's go buy a plasma screen TV. That's, the, that's what the United States government is doing. We're in just tremendous debt. And so what we're doing is we're going out and we're spending more money. Well, uh, it, might, uh, it might help to, to stimulate the economy. How? Explain to me how giving money, how just handing it out, how just doling out money to people, just sending people three or $600 stimulus checks, how that's going to help. How is bailing out the banks helping us? How is that helping people? Well, they'll be able to give more uh, loans. Yeah, they'll be able to give more loans to irresponsible people. That's how we got in this mess in the first place. Banks were giving out loans to people that shouldn't have been giving, they, they shouldn't have been giving out loans to in the first place. And we've already gone through that discussion as to why they did that in the first place. And we all know where the blame lies in that one. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot, 1990s Democrats. Good job, guys. All right. Uh, see, I keep reading these stories from all across the country where state or local officials are proposing tax increases. I'm going to give you a great example. This is one that's happening right here in Phoenix. I just, obviously, this is a story that hits close to home, given that I live in Phoenix. But our illustrious mayor of the city of Phoenix, Phil Gordon, Democrat, um, he has just been screaming about this for a while. The city council has decided to take this up. And in order to save police and fire jobs, rather than maybe cut back on some of the other budget areas in Phoenix, uh, the brilliant idea is, hey, let's start instituting a tax on groceries again. As far as I know, that grocery tax, I don't even know, I don't even know when they repealed that or when they stopped or if there ever was a grocery tax in Phoenix. But here it is. The two, they, they're proposing a 2% tax on food and it will take effect April 1st and expire after five years. Yes, yeah, sure it will. Although Mayor Phil Gordon said that the council has the option of reversing the decision after it hears from the public during 15 budget hearings planned for this month. What do you think the public's going to say? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Just raise our taxes. Yeah, we're having a hard enough time uh, paying for meals as it is and people are losing jobs. But, you know, you go right on ahead and just raise those taxes. Go ahead. Sure. The tax on milk, meat, vegetables, and other food purchased by shoppers will generate an estimated $12.5 million for the fiscal year that ends June 30th. It'll raise enough money for another $50 million or to raise another $50 million, rather, for fiscal 2011. Food purchased with food stamps, obviously, will not be taxed. Well, that's good because that's already taxpayer. We're going to tax the taxed money. The extra tax revenue means that Phoenix will have more money in its coffers to help uh, close the $241 million general fund budget deficit through June 2011. Again, Phoenix is, uh, yes, we're operating in the red again. 
You know, it was so weird. And I, I, I always have to point this out. You know that this, this state, we ran so well for a while. Yeah, we may have had a crook governor in Fife Symington. He may have been a, a fraud and a shyster in his, uh, in his own personal business dealings. But as a governor, somehow this state ran in the black when he was our governor. Maybe bringing Fife Symington back wouldn't be such a bad idea. Yeah, he was a crook uh, personally. It should be noted that he was, uh, any charges against him, he was uh, issued a presidential pardon by Bill Clinton. So, um, but he was, man, what a, he was a great governor. <laughs> he was. I would never trust him to do my real estate deal. But man, he was a fine governor. And now here I'm seeing my city, Phoenix, Arizona, $241 million in the red. Last week, budget officials proposed cutting $140 million in services. Other special funds for things like transit also could get money. City manager David, uh, David Savasos proposed eliminating 1,379 citywide positions, including nearly 500 police officers and firefighters. Among the dozens of targeted cuts, libraries, senior centers, those would be closed. And there would be substantial cuts to bus and light rail service. Oh, not the light rail. Wait, don't we already pay for the light rail? And don't we pay for rides on the bus, though? That, that, all right. Because I, I sure hope that our uh, bus service doesn't get crappier here in Phoenix. That would be terrible. It's unclear exactly where the extra money would be uh, allocated. But on February 9th, Savasso said that uh, they'll offer other options of how that they how they can reverse uh, reverse rather proposed uh, cuts using food tax. So that's the idea. We're going to increase taxes. So then, what happens is when you increase taxes on food, uh, people have to cut back on what they eat and what they buy. So what happens is your proposed uh, the amount of money that you propose that you project that you're going to make. Uh, people, well, they'll just adjust their spending habits accordingly and you won't get nearly that much money. That's just how it works. Elizabeth Von Wee told the council that the tax will be devastating to her family of six, which spends $900 to $1,300 a month on groceries. Business at the Van Wee's uh, car wash has taken a 60% dive during the recession and the family has begun growing vegetables to save money. She suggested taxing fast food, cigarettes, or alcohol. Quote, to tax a basic need for my family is disastrous, said Van Wee, with her four children in tow. Union leaders argued that the tax would keep more police officers and firefighters on the streets and emergency response in town. Anyway, it just continues from there. Look, I, I've, I just don't know how else to explain this. I think... I think I've made my point abundantly clear about taxes and economics. I guess it's just something I have to keep screaming about, even if it is a little bit boring to some people, but it's just something that I feel very passionately about. And I think it's something that if enough people feel passionately about it and enough people actually get involved and, and really take this seriously and they start um, looking at the, the seriousness, the, the ramifications of raising taxes during a recession, or raising taxes in general, but especially during a recession, then uh, I think it's, uh, I, I think maybe we could get some decisive action. 
and we could perhaps start throwing people out of office that are going to propose such ridiculous tax increases at a time where people just don't have that kind of money. They just don't have that kind of discretionary income. They don't have the ability to be able to pay those kinds of taxes. Maybe somebody could use their brains. I know, I feel like Casey Kasem. I just need someone to, to use their, their, their friggin' brain. We gotta play that. I get on these rants. I, I really do. I, I feel like I start sounding like Casey Kasem. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna start talking... I get to sound like this any second. We're up to our long distance dedication. And this one is about kids and pets and a situation that we can all understand, whether we have kids or pets or neither. Yeah. It's from a man in Cincinnati, Ohio. And here's what he writes. Dear Casey, this may seem to be a strange dedication request, but I'm quite sincere and it'll need a lot if you play it. Recently, there was a death in our family. He was a little dog named Snuggles, but he was most certainly a part of... Let's go start again. From coming out of the record. Play the record, okay? Please. <clears throat> See, when you come out of those up-tempo goddamn numbers, man, it's impossible to make those transitions. And then you got to go into somebody dying. You know, they do this to me all the time. I don't know what the hell they do it for, but goddamn it, if we can't come out of a slow record, I don't understand it. Is Don on the phone? Okay, I want a goddamn concerted effort to come out of a record that isn't a fucking up-tempo record every time I do a goddamn death dedication. Now, make it, and I also want to know what happened to the pictures I was supposed to see this week. It's a god, last goddamn time I want somebody who uses fucking brain to not come out of a goddamn record that is, uh, that, that's up-tempo and I got to talk about a fucking dog dying. That's... That's what I sound like sometimes. I feel like I just start sounding like that. I, I go off the deep end. Poor Casey Kasem. Well, he he retired last July. Thought the guy was going to have a coronary right there. Blood and O-ring. All right, Mike at KMGX.com. That's our email and PayPal address. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. EFNet, IRCNet Radio, the channel. And, of course, we're up on Facebook as well. We'll take a quick time out and come back with more Michael Graff in Exile. Baby's black balloon makes a fly Almost fell into that hole in your life You're not thinking about tomorrow Cause you were the same as me Segment number two, Michael Groff in exile for a Thursday. I'm not sure if I said Thursday at the beginning of the show. The days just all run together. Who knows? Alright, my 
Mike at KMGX.com, our email address. That's also the PayPal address. You know, get Mike a root canal. That's that's what we could call it. The official I need monies for a for an important procedure. Also, AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Groff Show, the screen name, and on EFNet, IRC, Net Radio, the channel. Also, you can hit us up on FB, yo. That'd be Facebook. I'm told that... I'm told that eventually there there could be a, a new fan page uh, for the show on Facebook. The, uh, it did have one before as well, but that was created by... An ex-girlfriend who... Oh, whatever. Never mind. You know, I'm just enjoying listening to the Foo Fighters, quite frankly. I could talk about tax increases, Barack Obama, politics. Someone getting her hand caught in a blender. I could talk about any of that, but... Jamming out to some fighters' food. All right, and the dumbass of the day award has to go to um, a 51-year-old Crestview woman who was warned about calling 911 for non-emergency reasons. This is apparently quite a problem. This is becoming actually a um, an epidemic. And, and I'm being serious about this. People call 911 for erroneous reasons a lot. Uh, from time to time, you used to hear about it, but now people call 911 for all sorts of things. Now, sometimes people don't know. Like, they, they cut their finger really bad and they're bleeding you know, they think they, they call 911. That's sometimes it's kind of borderline. Maybe you should just uh, see a doctor or maybe just go to an urgent care or something. Okay, so sometimes it's a little bit borderline. But then you hear about people that sometimes call 911 to ask what time it is. They call 911 because their TV shows aren't on, like the, the TV signals are down or something like that after a storm. That We, we read a story about that a couple of years ago, you might remember. But this... This has got to take the cake. A 51-year-old Crestview woman, after being warned about calling 911 for non-emergency reasons, was arrested January 26th after the fourth call in 90 minutes. Now, you might say, well, what the hell was she calling about? She had to be calling about something to get arrested all those times. Well, indeed, she was calling to report that her husband had taken her cell phone and would not return it. So her husband stole her cell phone. So she called 911. Well, supposedly. But here's the thing. Uh, the the Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office. Yeehaw! The Okaloosa County Sheriff's Office deputy um, went to their home after the third call. He attempted to call the number for the phone that had been reported as stolen. He heard it ringing in the room uh, this is what he wrote in the report. And at the time, deputies told her not to call again about the phone. After she called again, she was arrested for abusing the 911 system. So the officer went to the house to check it out. He's like, I, I, I've just, I've had it up to here with this. He goes there. He calls the number that was reported stolen. He hears the, the phone ringing in the house. 
So clearly it hasn't been stolen. So then she calls again about the missing phone. She can't find her phone. She thinks that it got stolen. Apparently it hadn't been. And here's the best part. Not only had it not been stolen. So the woman gets arrested. And where do they find the cell phone? Well, the cell phone is in the woman's pocket. It was in her jacket pocket. There you go. So there's a woman that gets arrested and she, uh, this is one of those cases where you can't necessarily arrest for somebody for being stupid. But in this case, she pretty much was arrested for being stupid. When your stupidity gets to the point of actually becoming harmful to other people, when you are almost negligently stupid or just blatantly over the top stupid, you can be arrested. Now I've advocated that stupid people should be arrested. And that's something that uh, if I were the president, that's what I would be pushing for. Um, constantly. Seems that way. Anyway. All right. Now you want to talk about stupid. This, this is pretty stupid as well, but it's stupid more in terms of the legal sense. Here you go. And this is once again, uh, another soapbox I can jump up. Man, I'm all over it today. <laughs> U.S. Customs and Border Protection say that a 74-year-old Hamilton woman. This is uh, somebody that lives in Hamilton, Ontario. Okay. She crossed, she crossed into the border. She crossed over the border into New York and customs officials stopped her after they uh, looked over her records and they found out that she had been, there was an arrest warrant issued for her 30 years ago in New York. Okay. Well, maybe she did something serious. CBP say, says that officers arrested, well, here's a name for you, Hamanella Cole on Tuesday as she arrived at the Lewiston-Queenston border crossing in Lewiston, New York. Officials say that Cole was at the bridge to apply for a criminal waiver that would allow her to enter the U.S. as a visitor. But a warrant was issued for her arrest on April 1st, 1980 by the New York City Police, charging Cole with possession of marijuana. So she was arrested 30 years ago for possession of marijuana. Uh, she, well, she had an arrest warrant issued for her for possession of marijuana. Uh, she apparently went back to Canada. She comes over the border and they say, yeah, by the way, 30 years ago, you know, you, you still have that warrant outstanding, you know, for pot. You could be a danger to this country. Never mind that we had people come in over the Mexican and Canadian borders that wound up blowing up this country. That wound up, They got on planes. They, they trained to pilot planes and fly them into buildings. Never mind that we actually had people that came over here for that. Never mind that we have people coming over here with more serious drug offenses and more serious crimes. They murder people. We deport them. They come back. They murder again. We deport them. They come back. But luckily... Luckily, we stopped this master criminal right in her tracks. We were able to get this one before she could do any serious harm. We busted a woman that 30 years ago was arrested because she smoked a joint. That's good. Technically, the charge is that she was arrested for possession with the intent to distribute marijuana, which probably means that she had three joints. Well, if you have anything more than a joint, that means you might be... Uh intending to distribute those other joints to other people. You might share a joint with somebody. somebody. You might be smoking marijuana. And we all know that leads to the degradation of society. You know, we have these ridiculous marijuana laws in this country. 
And some states, the laws are even more outrageous than other states. And I guess New York just happens to be one of those states where they're more outrageous. So we're going to arrest people on three decade old charges that want to come in here. We have overcrowded prisons. We're spending, we have to look at spending $500 million more to improve the prison system in, in Illinois, just so maybe we can house some terrorists there, which is outrageous in and of itself. And yet here we are, we're bringing in some woman. She's, check this out. She was arrested on the outstanding warrant. She's in the custody of the New York State Police pending extradition to New York City, which you know she's going to be held there. How much is this going to cost the taxpayers? How much money are we looking to spend there? Whew, but thank God we got this dangerous criminal off the streets. That's good. I, I wouldn't want somebody coming into this country and smoking some pot. Whew, boy. All right, well, that's good. That's good that we got... <laughs> You know, by executive order, if I became the president, it would be by executive order, marijuana would be legalized. Why not? If we can just have executive orders, uh, if the president can just do that, then that's my executive order. I issue an executive order that legalizes marijuana. And, and you know, it's just... I understand this woman broke the law and, and I do advocate that uh, people abide by the laws of, of this country. I just happen to think it's a stupid law. And I think that arresting somebody for a stupid law is, well, if it's a stupid law and you arrest somebody for breaking a stupid law, doesn't that make the entire thing stupid? Mm, okay. Uh, then we have this. This is another thing. And, and this is, uh, look out because the media just loves these stories. This is another story that's making the rounds. Ah, more stories about shark attacks. We have shark attack stories. A man was killed by sharks in a rare fatal attack this afternoon in the waters off of Stewart, authorities say. Stephen Howard Schaefer, 38, of Stewart, was kite surfing south of Stewart Beach about 4.15 p.m. when the sharks attacked him. This is according to the bureau chief, Doug, uh, Doug Kalane of the Martin County Fife Rescue and Martin County Sheriff's Office. Uh, spokeswoman Rhonda Irons said here. So let's see, a lifeguard. Uh, through his binoculars, spotted the man floating about a quarter mile offshore in an unguarded stretch of ocean. The lifeguard uh, paddled out to him to rescue him, but pulled the man away from the sharks and carried him back to shore. Rescue workers gave the man CPR uh, and um, paramedics brought him to the hospital, the Martin Memorial Hospital, where he later died. The Martin County Sheriff's Office has investigated the death and, um, yeah, let's see, quote, I've been here 25 years, but to my knowledge, this is the first shark-related fatality we've seen, according to Mark McKinley. In fact, Palm Beach, Martin, and St. Lucia counties uh, have all escaped fatal shark attacks until now. Now, look, what I don't understand, and, and this is, again, me, I, I guess, but you know how many times I've been attacked by a shark? Zero. And you know why I've been attacked by a shark exactly zero times? Because I stay out of the ocean. If a shark came into my house, you know what I'd do? I'd kill it. 
Yes. If a shark came flying in through the window for whatever reason, I would reach over here to my Remington and I would I would empty uh, I would empty all eight shells into it. Yeah, that that shark would be out of here. See a shark. Ah! Yeah, that shark would be gone. In other words, you don't go into their territory. You don't go into shark infested waters. Hey, bro, I'm going to like go out and do some surfing, dude. <laughs> like you go into the ocean and then you get attacked by a shark or a jellyfish. And people are so surprised when there are shark attacks. And then the media makes a big deal about it. They go, oh, my God, somebody went into the ocean and got attacked by something that's indigenous to the ocean. How outrageous is that? These shark attacks, it's a completely preventable thing, too. People go out, and I know people blame the sharks. They say, well, we need to go out there and we need to get the sharks away from the land. And why are the sharks so near land? Who cares? Don't go into the ocean. I don't get stung by jellyfish. I don't get hit by stingrays. I don't get bitten by sharks. And you know why? Because I don't go into the ocean. The last time I was in the ocean, actually in the ocean, was like June of 1991. I think we went to uh, went to Rocky Point, Puerto Penasco. We went down to Rocky Point, and uh, yeah. So and, and that was that was the last time I was um, that was the last time I was in the ocean. And there, and and I was only in there one day because then there was some uh, there were some storms that were uh, off the um, down in the Baja there. And the jellyfish started coming around, and I was like, you know what? Even though I know I'm not really in a whole lot of danger, you know, I'm not, I'm not even really going to chance it. And I was, what, 13 years old at the time, and I knew better to stay out of the ocean when there are things that could potentially harm me. And maybe, maybe they wouldn't even do it. But this guy, he's like, nah, you know what, man? I'm going to venture out. I'm going to go forth into the sea. I'm going to trot out there. Man, I... Uh, I, I'm gonna go out and uh, I'm gonna go out into the ocean where there's sharks. That that'll turn out well. Cody was a super nice guy, always mellow. I don't think he had any enemies. The speaking of the guy that uh, got killed here, look again. I feel bad for somebody that gets attacked by sharks and killed by sharks. Um, but why do people? Why do we have to go into the ocean? Why do people have to go out there and swim in the ocean? You're swimming in somebody else's territory. You're going into somebody else's house, ostensibly, and then you're you're upset, and people get people are so shocked when a shark attacks people. That just I, I'm I'm sorry that I'm a little bit baffled by that, but I am. I'm totally confused. All right, Mike at kmgx.com. That'd be the email address. Also, the PayPal address, Michael Graff Show, AOL Instant Messenger, EFNet IRC, Net Radio, the channel. Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Now, tomorrow on this podcast, I will provide you with expert analysis and brilliant insight as to why the Indianapolis Colts will dominate Super Bowl 44. And uh, I will give you my. Uh, I will. We'll, we'll break down the point spread. The the we'll, all all you gamblers. We'll run through some of the prop bets as well. It's something that I like to do during before the Super Bowl every year. So we'll run through some of the prop bets. And um, I don't know, man. I'm. Uh, I, 
Yeah, who will win the coin toss? Who will score first? What uh, will the person that scores first have an odd or even number jersey? We'll do all that. All those exciting prop bets that uh, Janet Gretzky was so fond of a few years ago. <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have all of those. And a whole lot more. But right now, we'll take a quick timeout. I'll come back. I really don't know what I've got coming up in the next segment. I'm being serious. But I'm sure I've got something. I will do something exciting and innovative in the next segment. Maybe we'll just talk about music again or the radio biz or we'll go through the charts or we'll do something... Uh, Something groundbreaking and revolutionary. That's what we're all about on this podcast. Yeah. I've got to talk about... There's a couple of things I actually do want to get to, so we'll do that. And a whole lot more. This is Michael Graff in exile for a... Whatever the hell today is... It's uh, Thursday, yeah, and we'll be back. Final segment of Michael Graff in Exile for a Thursday, February 4th, 2010. One week away from the Olympic Games. Hooray. Since they're in Canada, it doesn't matter. Mike at KMGX.com. The email address is Mike at KMGX.com. Also our PayPal address. AOL Instant Messenger, Michael Groff Show, the screen name. And uh, this dude, David Cook. So I, I played this because American Idol, they're, uh, they're, they're going on. This is their... Um, well, potentially the final season. I mean, well, it's the, definitely the final season with Simon, which basically means it's the final season of the show as far as, as far as ratings are concerned. I guess the ratings aren't even down. People still watch. I, 
I'll admit, I, I've seen about two minutes of it. That's about two minutes more than uh, the last three seasons. I do my best to avoid it. I, I saw Ellen DeGeneres, and I'm like, really? They're, that's who they're sort of uh, thinking they're going to use to replace Simon on the show. Oh, that'll work out. We'll just have a bunch of people that have nothing to say and no opinions. That'll make for very interesting television. So, what did you think of that performance? You know, dog, I don't know, dog. Dog, I kind of dog. I, dog, I don't know. I thought, you know, dog, it was kind of like I ate and everything. I wasn't necessarily feeling a dog. What about you, Ellen? You know I'm gay, right? I am. I'm, I'm actually gay. I have a talk show. All right, and what about you? Uh, what's that chick that... That other chick they have on there, she's just like, she has nothing to say. She's always like Miss Positive. Well, you know, I just think that if you follow your dreams and if you just, if you, you're, you're doing it. You know, you're doing it. You're going for it. And that's good. So don't, you know, I'm saying no. I'm saying hell no. I mean, you suck and, you know, I, I'm saying that in the back of my head. But to you, out loud, out of my mouth, the words that are coming out of my mouth are, you're doing it. And you're young. And even though you have absolutely no talent, you're doing it, and I, that's good. That'll be good. So, Simon, you know, he's taking his show. He's taking that American Idol, and uh, he's leaving. He's going to bring over his show from, uh, from England. He's bringing over The X Factor. And The X Factor is going to be what, basically, Fox is going to have that as well. So they're going to have American Idol and X Factor. But the thing is that... I think Simon Cowell doesn't he own a piece of, of both anyway. So even if American Idol fails, it's win-win for him. Because whatever show he's on, it's weird. It's, he's, that's going to be successful. But what's weird about it is how come here in the United States we have to import British guys to have an opinion on things? Like, have me on as a judge. You know what sucks about these shows, too, is I, I, I told you, I watched about two, two minutes of American Idol last night. And these people, even the ones that they supposedly can sing, I think they sound horrible. Everybody does the vibrato with the voice. Ah, ah, and it's, it's awful. It's just the most horrible, horrendous thing. And they think that that's good. Like, I guess I know what they're after. It's just, to me, it, it sounds bad. Every once in a while, they have a good singer on there, but it's, it's very rare. And even as, as has been proven, the people that win, oftentimes their career goes nowhere because people aren't going to buy into it. That Fantasia Barino, I mean, nobody's seen or heard from her. She's probably at an all-you-can-eat someplace, I'm sure. Her and Ruben Studdard are probably packing on the pounds. Neither one of them had any kind of career after American Idol. I know someone's going to say, Mike, you don't, you don't know what you're talking about. They're on Broadway. Yeah, they're on Broadway making $36 a show. I have more money in my PayPal in my PayPal account, seven dollars, than they made on Broadway. So thanks. No, the idea of American Idol is to bring people into the in the limelight that are going to have an impact on the music biz. I mean, it's a music, it's a singing show. It's a it's a contest. It's a singing contest. Is it not? People, number one, have to look attractive. And as much as that sucks and as much as that's unfortunate in the music biz today, as we all know, it's not really about the music. It's about the look. If it was about the music, uh, a lot of guys, there would be a lot of, it would look like a, a much different landscape in the pop genre. Believe me, if it was just about 
uh, Kesha would not have the number one song if it was about the music. This, um, yeah, that would not be number one. We would uh, Kelly Clarkson, uh, I don't think, would be uh, on the map at all. Not that she really is anymore. I mean, every once in a while, she somehow scrapes out a hit, but. But really, it's it's that's what it's about. It's about the look more than it is about the music. Talent is sort of secondary now. But you see, with this American Idol, uh, what it proves is that, for example, Chris Daughtry. He was like sixth. He was like the sixth place on on American Idol. And he's had probably the biggest career of anybody that's been on that damn show. He got rejected by two different shows. And here he is having a big career. I don't know, dog. You know, I'm just not feeling it from a dog. I don't know. You ain't never going to have any career. Dog, I don't know, dog, dog. Well, it goes to show what you know, Randy. Dog. Yeah, Daughtry only what? How many, how many number one hits? Does he release a song that doesn't go to number one? Every song that dude puts out is, is number one material. I don't know, dog. I, I, dog, I just not, you know, not, dog, I ain't feeling it, dog. Sorry. Yeah, if it was all about the music, this would never be on the chart. That wouldn't be on the chart. Uh, half the crap we play on the pop chart, this wouldn't be on there. See, Simon, if, if that, those people came before him... Well, he'd probably turn them into uh, into successes anyway. He could probably turn anybody into a success. Although I, I did see that Simon Cowell had produced a a remake of um, uh, another somebody. A bunch of people did "We Are the World," and I guess Simon Cowell had a part in that. Was it "We Are the World"? I think so. It was for the Haiti relief effort, and he got a bunch of uh, current musicians to take part in that whole thing. Yeah, that's going to sell four copies. I'm pretty sure. Because that's awful. They took it and they made it all sort of R&B-ish. Oh, God. It was, uh, it was, it was terrible. All right. Here's the ironic story of the day. Little irony for you. Here it is. Um, <laughs> a Basking Ridge man was arrested for DWI after hitting a liquor truck. <laughs> outside of a sterling wine store so the dude leaves a wine store and he drives while intoxicated slams into a liquor truck i guess that would be the definition of irony right robert j keisel 50 was charged with dwi by uh, bernard's township police the accident took place around 1.30 p.m. January 29th outside Sterling Fine Wines on Valley Road. Keisel allegedly crashed his blue, his blue Ford Sport utility vehicle. Oh, he can't even blame this one on Toyota. His blue uh, Ford SUV into a parked truck owned by Village Sprints of Bristol, Pennsylvania, and then left the parking lot. He just, he's like, eh, eh, crash, whatever, see ya. The truck driver followed Kiesel to a uh, to a Sycamore Court in Basking Ridge and pointed Kiesel out of a uh, Bernard's uh, to Bernard's police. He was then arrested. 
They asked him why he left the accident scene, and uh, this dude, he, Keisel, he was so blasted, he said, I don't know. Ah, uh, officer, I haven't much too hard to drink. Uh, uh. <laughs> Police subsequently performed field sobriety tests, which, of course, Keisel failed every single one of them, including, uh, he, I don't even think the dude knew he was uh, alive. Do you know what planet you're on? Yeah, this is friggin' Mars. I know that, bitch. Long Hill Police also charged him with motor vehicle offenses for leaving the scene of an accident and failure to report an accident. And also being incredibly stupid, but being really ironic at the same time. And that's the story behind that. All right. Well, there you have it. <laughs> that's that's um, that's tremendous. All right, well, that's it. Um, Mike at KMGX.com. That would be the email address. Also, our PayPal address. Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show, AOL Instant Messenger. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on uh, AOL Instant Messenger. EFNet IRC, if you want to get in touch with us that way. Uh, the channel, EFNet IRC, the channel net radio. And what else? Yeah, we're on Facebook. Uh, I, I understand that there's a fan page uh, that's being made. So I will, I will have more specifics on that eventually. And so very much more. The details will just make your head spin. You know what I've, I've actually thought about doing? I, I thought about doing a video blog. Well, I have this camera. I have this nice camera, but the problem is video blogs, video is, is so huge. It takes up such a, uh, I don't know. It's, it's hard enough to get people to download the podcast as it is. I don't know. A video blog would just be like, eh. Plus, do you really want to look at me? But somebody uh, made the suggestion uh, about a month ago. And a couple of people. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm thinking about it, but then I, I don't know. There's just, it's a lot of bandwidth and it's a whole thing. And then like, I, I don't know how to edit video. I know how to, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a whiz with editing audio because I've done it for, what, 12 years? Well, in one form or another, I've been editing audio for 25 years cassette, carts, digitally. And we all know how well my other postings on YouTube have gone. So I don't know. Maybe I'm, I'm actually just talking myself out of it right now. All right, we're back tomorrow. On tomorrow night's show, we'll have our Super Bowl predictions. We'll have the pop chart. We'll go for the pop chart. That'll be on there. And blah, 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 blah. And uh, barring a stock market crash, who knows? All right, see you tomorrow. Have a great one, everybody. And if you're a dentist and you want to you know, do a little pro bono work, I'm, I'm, I'm willing. Good night.